You're listening to Don't Waste Water. All charity is good, all philanthropy is good, but what we're building are vehicles where you can buy one water utility and upgrade it, then you can do 10, then you can do 100, then you can do 1,000. Yeah. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Twist for the podcast. And again, very simple problem in the sense that we need to invest X every year in infrastructure, and we're investing whatever the number is, one one hundredth of X. You do that enough for enough time, and you get into the situation where we're in. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm Dylan. Delighted to welcome Sean Davis as my guest. Merton Capital Partners is a startup investment company, and we're putting together these deals. And it's essentially kind of what private equity was in the 70s and 80s, putting together deals. Sean is the founder and managing director of Merton Capital Partners, an adjunct professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University, and the author of Solving the Giving Pledge Bottleneck. It's tough to find philanthropists who want to give to water infrastructure because they don't know about the problems. And they always see that, well, that's a government issue. Merton Capital Partners develops innovative investment strategies to unlock philanthropy's potential by incentivizing corporations to generate large-scale good in their core businesses. What the heck is the link between philanthropy and water? That may be very obscure if you're like me before meeting Sean, yet you'll see that it will make a lot of sense in just about 20 minutes. I've often discussed with brilliant minds on that microphone how people without safe water or cities without wastewater treatment made little economic sense. We've talked about wrong-pocket issues and highlighted all the reasons why we thought something could be done. Yet, I was long seeking the spark that could ignite the revolution, and I fear that I'm not the only one. In their Worth of Water book, Gary White and Matt Damon say nothing else. They have a proven path to scale to solve the water challenges within two decades, but they lack the seed money to get the ball rolling. Sure, we could all wait for states to walk the talk. But if we're still discussing SDG 6 or AG infrastructure at the end of 2022 in pessimistic or alarming terms, it's probably a sign that we should not have too high hopes from that path. So what's left? Cheers and sighs? Well, that's where the new path Sean introduces today brings a bright new hope. Philanthropic money doesn't have to be spent at a loss, and there are significant pockets of investments that look for the right vehicles. This is how, in a minute, we'll discuss evergreen investment strategies, blended capital, helping philanthropists to get the highest bang from their buck, and much more. My conversation with Sean made me think of many new ways to connect the water dots, so I'm pretty sure it might do the same for you. If that's the case, spread the word and share that episode with your friends, colleagues or LinkedIn network. And if you want me to dive deeper into the topic, I'd be honestly delighted to now that I've got a bit more knowledge thanks to Sean's book. The link to it is in the show notes. Check it out. So come tell me on LinkedIn. Remember to share that episode and I'll meet you on the other side. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. 
For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. You're active in a field which I have to confess I didn't know before. You're in philanthropic capital investments. So what's that special beast? Don't feel bad. Most people have not heard of that. Essentially, it's a new industry where we're looking to institutionalize the investing of philanthropy. Today, big philanthropists basically write checks to nonprofits, their school, their church, but they don't have ways to invest that philanthropy in larger amounts with managers like private equity gets invested. Back in 1980, private equity firms didn't have funds. They were just doing deals. And eventually that industry was institutionalized. So there's a lot of philanthropy, primarily the giving pledge philanthropy, billionaires who have said they're going to give half their money away. Just the giving pledge is 230 people. It's about a trillion dollars in capital that is unmanaged. It's not being offered deals. It's very hard to give away that money as a philanthropist. So we're basically creating deals where philanthropy can be invested with later stage private companies that can take in a lot of capital that is inexpensive capital and that allows them to do things with much greater impact and they have the management teams to deploy the, the capital. So what are the challenges in water that you can address with that vehicle? It's very interesting because until I met Alex Lakopoulos from Science Water I had no idea about the infrastructure problems. So there's a huge section of solutions that cannot be done today because Most of the capital is either market return capital, and a lot of the deals that Science Water is doing, they're buying companies and they're building companies, and it's, it's very exciting what they're doing, but they have to do it on a market basis. And then there's sort of EPA, other government money that is grant money, but it's very, very limited. And so there's a space where philanthropy can come in and help finance impact at a great level. So distress water utilities, is one, ocean uh, land-based solutions for, for the ocean. Mm -hmm. The water utilities is quite simple. There's 5,000 water utilities that have been abandoned that are not doing well in generating polluted water to 21 million Americans. What do you mean by abandoned? They ran out of money. There's 52,000 water utilities in the US. Many of them are little and they don't have a lot of capital and they run out of money to continue to upgrade their little water utility. So it starts running into violations and generating water Water that's polluted and that's one of the big reasons 21 million Americans I mean 21 million that, that number is just incredible have polluted water at home the difficulty is that private water companies can't go buy these distressed water utilities because the economics doesn't make sense the cost to upgrade is too high for them to obtain their minimum return. So by blending large philanthropy into these deals, you can have the private water company afford purchasing and upgrading and running these water utilities. And we're talking about 100 billion of philanthropy can finance the purchase and acquisition and upgrade of 5,000 little water utilities, Would in theory. <laughs> that's a perfect transition to my question. You say in theory, but you have a concrete example of how that's rolls out, in fact? That's what we're working on now. Merton Capital Partners is a startup investment company, and we're putting together these deals. And it's essentially kind of what private equity was in the 70s and 80s, putting together deals. So back then, a company like KKR would look for a company to buy, and they would convince a bank and convince some investors that it was good, and they should give them the capital to buy. This is kind of what we're doing now. We're mostly focused on affordable housing right now because that's another area where 100 billion of philanthropy can easily be invested in affordable housing to really, really have a huge impact. But water is another 
area. And oceans is something that we're seeing more interest from philanthropy. And the oceans solution is very, very simple as well. And it's basically that coastal cities are releasing untreated sewage waste, which is illegal. But again, the governments don't have the money to increase the capacity of wastewater. And so they don't do it because the budget's not there. Commercial operators, it's not economical for them to go do that. So philanthropy can come in and with three or 400 million of philanthropy, you can probably increase the wastewater capacity in South Florida to bring back the reefs and have an explosion of seagrass that is incredible. And that would be one of the biggest ocean projects, but it's simple. It's go to the wastewater <laughs> municipalities and just figure out which needs to be increased. It's kind of boring, boring business. It's just an innovative way that we're trying to build pilots to prove that this is a good use of philanthropy and a way to partner with big private companies. So when you're building these investment vehicles and fitting the project and explaining the rationale as to why you need to invest in the ocean or in, in sewage treatment or in water treatment in these 5,000 abandoned utilities, what's the level of awareness from the capital money you're raising from the people holding that capital? Do they realize that the problem is thus big in the US? Yeah, the, the answer is almost zero. There's almost a zero awareness Okay. that there's a, a systemic problem. People have heard of Flint and Jackson, Mississippi. They see the headlines, but they don't realize that it's a systemic problem mm -hmm. that is huge. And again, very simple problem in the sense that we need to invest X every year in infrastructure and we're investing whatever the number is, one one hundredth of X. You do that enough for enough time and you get into the situation where we're in. And I think Seth Siegel mentioned it really well that we're a land of cowboys and independent people and we want to do what we want to do and a lot of these issues are community solutions and so we're coming in with with this big pot of money and trying to attract philanthropy but it's tough to find philanthropists who want to give to water infrastructure because they don't know about the problems and they always see that well that's a government issue the oceans is a little easier because there's a lot of personal interest in the oceans and so we're we're moving that project more along and basically we're looking for a couple million of, of seed money to build a team to put together a plan to say, okay, it would be 200 million or 300 million or 400 million. And this would be the partner, this would be the construction company or the wastewater private company that would go and interface with Miami-Dade, Broward County, and kind of figure out what are the investments needed, add them all up, and then go raise the philanthropy to, to finance that. At least, again, in theory. <laughs> But we've got we've to do it. In their book, which I have to recall the name, The Cost of Water, The Value of Water, The Worth of Water, sorry, the book of Matt Damon and Gary White, the founders of water.org, they explain how they have these three buckets of money. You have philanthropic money, you have venture capital money, and in between, they are looking for another bucket, which would be looking at lower returns, mm -hmm. but still would be making money. Mm -hmm. And what they explain in the book is that they have a hard time to finance their water credit approach because mm -hmm. people either go for philanthropy and then don't expect any return or go to venture because they want to have like the highest possible return and then you rather invest in tobacco or oil rather right. than water right nevertheless it is profitable to invest in water even at a low return but it is profitable so why do you target this philanthropic buckets and not that next one which would be slightly profitable but rather esg oriented right. than than pure venture? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, all of our investments, whether it's affordable housing or, or, or wastewater or 
solar, because we're also looking at solar with the biggest power company in the US. All of those investments, because we're investing philanthropy in private deals that are for profit, we actually get the philanthropy back plus a 2% or 4%, which is essentially the impact first capital that you're referring to. We're using philanthropy that is willing to give us a philanthropy we invested in these projects, get a return, and then reinvest the same philanthropy into the next project and create these evergreen donor advice funds. That's the goal. But we have found that some of the philanthropists we talk to have a foundation that has very specific buckets of what they give mm -hmm. to, and we don't fit into that. But maybe they have an impact investment arm, and we can use 2% for-profit money in the same deals. So we're agnostic to that, but we're focusing more on the on the mega philanthropy because it's such a clear pool of money. These individuals have said, we're going to give the money away. And the vehicles to do that are not there. There isn't a way to easily do that. And some of the people who are actively trying to give money away have told us it's harder to give away the money than it was to make the money, which is hard to believe. But... It's true. I had on that microphone Reinhard Hübner saying that right now there's too much stupid money chasing too few stupid projects or even good projects. I guess that's where you fit in to try to find the opportunities for that money to, to come to good use. How much do you have to evangelize? What a great term. What a great term. That's what I'm doing all day. Many times I'm going to foundations and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. And they're not finance people. And so they see these acquisitions and they see these investments with developers for affordable housing where we're actually leading the deals. And it's kind of a different world. That's not an easy conversation. On the other hand, we might talk to a private equity billionaire and he gets what we're doing right away but he's never seen that you can invest philanthropy in private deals which the irs allows you to do it's just been done at the venture level with very small projects mm -hmm. changing somebody's mind that has been giving large checks to harvard university and you're saying no no we can invest in a private company and they're like no you don't you can't you know a lot of it is that evangelization of finance and figuring out how to explain something our challenge is to sit for, with somebody for 15 minutes that's the biggest challenge. Once they hear it, it makes sense. And then you have to get them to the point where they would pull the trigger on a, uh, and that's the stage we're at with, with several philanthropic groups. But when you're doing something new, usually it takes 10 years, you know, to create, this is kind of like a new subsector of private equity. It's the, the active investing of philanthropy and really making direct investments that are very targeted. And going back to your point, like all charity is good, all philanthropy is good, but what we're building are vehicles where you can buy one water utility and upgrade it, then you can do 10, then you can do 100, then you can do 1,000. Yeah. Because then the private company who you're investing with is aligned and their incentives are to make more money. And we're able to finance that it becomes a real nice win-win at scale. Fascinating field. As I said, I'm a muggle to it, so I'm <laughs> discovering it. To, to round off this, this interviews, I have a set of rapid-fire questions. Sure. So I have a couple of ones for you. The first one would be, what's the most interesting project you've been involved in and why? The affordable housing projects that we're looking at now, 100 million of philanthropy allows us to do a thousand units of housing. And if we take 30% of those units, which are subsidized by the regular affordable housing of police officers, we can house all the women who are victims of domestic violence in any city or all the 200 moms sleeping in their cars tonight 
in Washington, D.C. That's pretty exciting. What is the trend to watch out for in the water sector? We can uh, talk about the problem a lot. And the question is, where are the solutions at scale? And I think that's the area to look at. What is it that you're doing today in your job that you will not be doing in 10 years? <laughs> Explaining to people what our deals are <laughs> and how this new set of like philanthropic private equity works. Well, Sean, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for introducing me to that word. And I hope that in 10 years, you don't have someone like me <laughs> asking you, what is it? <laughs> Thank you. And enjoy the conference. This is it for another episode of the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'd like to hand out a special thanks to Science Water for enabling it. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to give it a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. I don't know if I deserve five stars, but my guest surely does. Do it now, tell it to your friends, and I'll be back very soon with the next interview.